For the record, with Dan Gordon and Maya Billick on FBI Radio. would like to acknowledge that right now we are broadcasting on the stolen Gadigal land of the Eora Nation and we pay our respects to elders past and present as well as extend that respect to any First Nations persons listening in right now. Sovereignty was never ceded, always was, always will be. It's midday and that means you're tuned into For the Record, FBI's weekly album show hosted by myself, Dan Gordon, as always alongside Maya Billick, which means it's time for us to dive into another album and this week we've had the extraordinary pleasure of getting able to chat with one of pop music's future pioneers, St. Louis, Missouri's Slater, on her tremendous debut album, Troubled Paradise. Released through Fader, Troubled Paradise is born from the inspiration of 2000s pop and pop culture. The sounds and imagery of people like Britney Spears, Lindsay Lohan, Paris Hilton, Gwen Stefani and Lady Gaga all smushed into one big distinct MySpace era like Rainbow. So passionately pop, it's almost punk. Maya got the pleasure to sit down with Slater earlier this week, and we're going to jump straight into that chat while we explore the record firsthand. Little bitch that's go, we rolling. Pull up in a ride that's stolen. Sun's up, baby, me still going. Nails done, and my highlight glowing. Feel that rush like adrenaline. Go long, go fast like a Ritalin. Make it taste so hot like cinnamon. Strip club, and I drop them Benjamins. Bitch, make a scream, bloody murder. Wish a bitch would like to be Turner. I like to serve a server. Well, Catherine, congratulations on such a brilliant album release. It's so fun, vibrant. It's absolutely more than I thought it, it could be. A good friend of mine turned me onto your music and I wasn't really quite expecting what the journey would be on Trouble Paradise. So I'm really happy that it's such a great record. I'm sure you are. Thank you so well. much. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. How does it feel having it out? It feels good. I mean, I feel like I've been gearing up for like June 11th for like the past like two years. I've been like working on this project. I feel like it's been like two and a half now. I've just been working and working and writing and the final day, like when I'm like, celebrating it and like looking at the vinyl in person i'm just like wow time honestly has flown by i've been through a pandemic in this process of this album like all these different things and it just feels so good 
to finally be like reading people talking about it and to see people reacting and like talking about their favorite songs. Like I've had all these songs like a secret for so long that it's been really nice. Cute. Um, going in, I guess, kind of deep off the bat, the album is called Troubled Paradise. Walk me through your concept of that. What is a troubled paradise to you? Or what is it in this iteration? I feel like the two, that idiom of like trouble in paradise is always kind of used about relationships when like, oh, like there's trouble in paradise, like they're starting to fight or something or things are going wrong with them. And I feel like I shortened it into being two words just because I felt like I love like, I just love like the way that it looks and the way that it sounds having it be two words. And I feel like those, both of those words kind of cancel each other out in a way because paradise is something that's like blissful and happy and it's like another word for heaven and in, in in like religion and things and I feel like the trouble part comes from like no matter what no matter how good things are how happy your life is or how much you achieve of your dreams there's always going to be issues and, and trouble and problems that come along with that so I feel like it just kind of was like the perfect thing kind of like is it is it called an oxymoron kind of like yeah. that like it's kind of like an oxymoron mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, love that. Across the record, though, sonically, you've kind of been coming up this last little while in the amongst the hyperpop community. But I wouldn't necessarily really call this record entirely a hyperpop album. There's parts of hip hop, club music, pop punk. Um, and then you have those, I guess, elements that have become popularized by hyperpop that feature throughout so pitched up vocals some glitchy beats here and there yeah the production sure. is so different though to your first mixtape and I wanted to ask I know you worked with a few different producers on this album if you were going after any particular um, sound or style because I'm eager to hear the inspiration behind it because it does feel so like sheeny and shiny and with the sheen of like a really tight well-oiled machine yeah I feel like it it wasn't so much as me like trying to intentionally make something different as much as it was me just kind of getting sick of making the same kind of like super like y2k kind of sounding like song like I felt like I wanted to dive in and explore different sounds and explore different things and I feel like a lot of people use like hyperpop as an umbrella term for like anything that's like a little bit different, but I really, I don't see myself as like a hyperpop artist. Honestly, I don't mind when people call me that or when people um, kind of like the music is that because it's do, but I feel like it more to me is just like pop music with like a bit of an edge in a way, which I feel like for me, I feel like my music pulls from a lot of different things. And I feel like in a lot of ways, like I don't really belong to a lot of different music scenes. Like not to not to be like, oh, I'm just so unique. I'm just paving my own way. But I really, um, I feel like when people kind of put umbrella terms over what genre I am or what other kind of artists I fit in with, like I feel like it's kind of hard because no one, I feel like I take more traditional pop-like routes than a lot of things in hyper pop and then from traditional pop music that's like on the radio like there is more of like an experimental edge so it's kind of in like a weird purgatory in between in a way i know i think you're totally right i think so many people who have been i guess thrust into hyper pop especially 
don't necessarily feel as though they're part of that genre. I think the idea of what it is and people who actually make that type of music are very different things and becoming more and more distant from each other in the last little while, don't you think? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. DIY approach because it definitely is but being very self-made is something that I think is pretty important to Slater the artist and you Catherine as the person behind the artistry what's it been like in all of this growth since you've started from making music and putting it out on SoundCloud to now releasing officially through a big label like The Fader has much of your hold on that taking every aspect of the creative has it grown or is it just as important yeah definitely I feel like even though I mean a lot has changed where there's definitely like a lot more people that like work on my team and I feel like my music kind of goes through a little bit more stages to be ready to be released now rather than me just like hitting upload on SoundCloud so but I feel like at the end of the day like I still have such a hand in some so many like aspects of it from creative to writing. Like, I feel like I pretty much wrote, there was like only a co-writer, I think that wasn't a producer, like a specific co-writer on two of the songs on this project. Like I wrote a lot of these things by myself. One of the songs, Serial Killer, I wrote by myself when I was like 19. 
Um, I feel like clouds I wrote like in my Airbnb, like I'm so, I still keep it very like DIY, very to myself, even though it is on like a larger scale now with a label involved and all these different things. Like I always, as long as I'm an artist, no matter what happens, no matter what like changes in, in my career and anything else, like I, I feel like the art and the visuals and the ideas like all should be coming from my brain. So I always want to make sure that that's what's happening. <laughs> mm. I guess I ask because having seen how you've grown so much and so quickly really is pretty incredible and nothing short of inspiring. And I want to know if you had any advice you could give to someone starting out, what it would be. Um, I would say like, don't follow don't try to like play the game too much as much as like, I feel like the most important thing is to always make music that you love listening to. And if you can do that and you have good taste, then like the people will follow. I think at the end of the day, if you're just making songs that you personally love listening to, then you can't go wrong. And other people are going to love to listen to it too, because, you know, I feel like everyone has like a certain type of music they like. So if you, if you genuinely enjoy your own music early on and, and are calling all the shots and making your decisions, then like you, you will make it somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I guess what's so impressive about it is because in pop music, especially, right. It's definitely this traditionally a super manufactured area of music where it seems like major labels just churn out these artists, but yeah. you've been able to do that with, from the beginning with like little to nothing and make it work. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I was just super into creating like a visual atmosphere with my music too. Like I feel like everything that was out when I first came out in music, like everything that was out, like there were a lot of music, there was a lot of music that sounded cool, but there were no artists that I was like, oh, she's cool. Like I want to party with her. Like that person is so sick. Like I wish I could dress like them. I felt like it was all, getting kind of boring and everyone was like kind of wearing the same shit and like kind of making the same style music. And I was like, I'm going to be a psycho and I'm going to wear my little crystal St. Louis Cardinals hat and I'm going to be a bimbo and no one can tell me otherwise. And I feel like it kind of set me apart from a lot of things that were out at the time. Um, so yeah, I feel like just being different, being yourself, doing what is true to you and doing what you like is like, that is always going to lead you down the right path. I, I think. Mm. I like that you kind of led into that because I think mm. Slater, the artist, is definitely a what I would call someone who is a true uh, adherent of 2000s pop music and pop culture. And so much of this record takes, I think, a lot of cues from the what some people perceive as the extreme sides of that, whether it be from like you bring it on or main girls to your Paris Hiltons and Lindsay Lohan's. If you had to pin it down to something, what would it be that you feel really drawn to about that time period? Because it doesn't feel contrived in the way that you're using these cornerstones. It doesn't feel like revivalism either. And it's not too heavy on the nostalgia. Um, I think for this album, mainly just like, I think just the personalities of pop stars from a different time were a little bit bolder, a little bit crazier. Like, I feel like music on the radio was so like, not afraid to go to certain places. Like, Hollaback Girl was like, 
a insanely huge song and it was like a diss track about Courtney Love. Like, I feel like things like that do not happen anymore. Like there's no, there's no drama. There's no um, kind of like moments in pop culture that get people excited about things. It's all about like influencers breaking up and getting into new relationships, which it's like, who, who fucking cares? You know what I mean? I feel like I'm just so drawn to that era of music and that era of culture, just because I feel like everything was so much more interesting and so much more impactful. And now everything is so fast. Everything from fashion to music trends is like so, so quick. It goes like a week at a time and something's already like out of style. And I feel like I'm just drawn to that period of time because I feel like it was, everything is, has stand the, stood the test of time where, you know, all these years later and like Hollaback Girl is still an incredible song. And I would hope that my music kind of maintains some timelessness to it too, where it's not so hyper poppy to the point where people in a couple of years won't look back and say like, oh, like that was a really good album, you know? Mm. Yeah. I know people online, I keep seeing people talking about how short it is, but it really, to me, I felt like was a nice interlude into the next section of the album because um, for this project, I was really inspired by like Dante's Inferno. So I feel like Butterflies really is kind of like the purgatory moment where um, I, I feel like I, like when we were making it, it felt like this like icy chamber of like feeling stuck, like feeling like you're in like an all white room and like you have nowhere to go and like you're stuck somewhere whether it's in a relationship or just like in a feeling. And um, yeah, I feel like the lyrics on this don't make a lot of sense, but I was just like painting like the sad imagery in my head. And then like, kind of like at the very end, wanted to like say to the person, all these like questions and all these things. So definitely felt like a perfect interlude into the more pop section of the project. Yeah, definitely. Cause Trouble Paradise is much more, uh, easygoing and like an out and out pop song I think yeah definitely I feel like Troubled Paradise which is honestly one of the oldest songs I started for the for the album that one took the longest to make too I feel like there were a lot of different sessions like the chords were different at first and we changed so many things and kept going through it I originally had like these other really random melodies that I still have on my phone like in my voice memos that ended up getting scrapped and then came up with the other thing but um, I feel like that song is kind of like the first like punch of the real like dance pop moment. And um, even I feel like it still kind of feels like one of those purgatory songs where there's like a lot of longing in it. And like the, the material, like the theme of it is just like absolute heartbreak and wanting to go back to something that might have been bad in the first place. And um, yeah, I felt like it was 
the perfect title track, the perfect main song. I feel like it's kind of like the standout song from the album. actually I was sent some beats from Nico pop and that one really stuck out to me and I almost immediately just started like writing melodies to it and writing out words and um, I kind of had the title in my head first because I feel like when I was little uh, I was kind of like a sad like child and tween and my mom used to always be like you always have like a cloud over you don't you like there's always a cloud falling you over your head or something and I feel like that sentiment really stuck with me and I felt so sad that day and I was like, here comes like the cloud or whatever. And um, yeah, the lyrics just kind of poured out and it was the first time I had really written something about being super sad and feeling depressed and having imposter syndrome and like wanting to die and like all these things that I don't really talk about because it didn't really fit the brand, if you will. But um, honestly, yeah, definitely. I, I'm gonna say this about every song, but definitely one of my favorites. I feel like it is, it is kind of like more than the title track. I feel like it kind of sums up the album theme the most. I do think it also shows another side to you that maybe doesn't get the same kind of light as others. Yeah, for sure. I When I put that one out, people were like, are you okay? And I was like, yes, like I'm okay now, but not that day. The day I made that, I was not. <laughs> Earlier, you mentioned that you thought what set you apart in your music is this kind of like blonde bimbo character that you put on to play as Slater. What do you make of all of 
the naysayers who shut down this style of music and this this type of expression. And I think you know exactly the kinds of people that I'm talking about, the ones who see an artist like Doja Cat and just like completely glaze their eyes over that it's just a bit of a piss taken joke and not it's not taking music serious enough or definitely comes from a place of misunderstanding an alternate form of expression, I think, from those people who don't see the feel-good joy that straight pop music just gives people. It's such like a rush of endorphins and it's just a moment to really indulge in having fun for two and a half minutes or three minutes, whatever it is. Do you feel like those people might not necessarily understand how much of this is really about playing with characters and then they get shocked when the person behind the character appears more switched on than they really are? or really thought they would be? I don't even think it's, I don't even think it's that sometimes. I feel like people who are too cool for pop music, I think it's just like, it's just that. Like, I feel like they think they're too cool for it and can't, can't like let go for like five minutes to appreciate something that maybe isn't so deep and like introspective, but makes people feel good and makes you want to dance. Like, I remember when I was in high school, I would argue with like boys in like my music classes because they'd be like, Radiohead is the sickest and it's the greatest of all time and I'd be like okay that's cool but like Britney Spears is like one of the greatest like artists of all time and if you can't like see that the two of them are like good music then like that's on you you know what I mean and I I I feel like yeah I feel like people kind of rolling their eyes at like sexual expression in music and kind of like pop music and pop culture in general I just I think it comes from a place of wanting to think you're kind of like rebellious and too cool for it even though I feel like pop music is now like the underdog in a way where it's kind of like the subculture. So to me, like, that's what's like the coolest to me right now. But um, yeah. (laughs) No, that's actually so apt, I think. Like, I think you're really right. It is this like, has this new movement about it recently. Hey. Yeah, for sure. I feel like it's, it's kind of like the new, it's like very like punk in a way to be into pop music because I feel like everyone thinks it's uncool right now in this moment that it is kind of become the new cool thing to me because it's like yeah like I I judge someone's music taste like if someone like is like oh like I've never I've never heard of Sophie and like I don't like Britney Spears then I'm immediately I'm like okay well you're not you're not cool like you've got like bad taste like go listen to like your straight man bands like get out get out of here (laughs) not my people (laughs) (laughs) um Big question. So Heidi Montag confirmed a little a little collaboration between the two of you coming yes. soon eventually. It's in the bag. Lady Gaga shared your music in her Women of Choice playlist. These are big, long-time, I guess, idols of yours. How did that feel to be co-signed and recognised by them? Um, It's really amazing. I feel like it's honestly surreal in a way just because I feel like when making music like you never know what's going to happen and you never know like what the story is going to be but to have people that like influenced you a lot like show any kind of love is like pretty insane and I feel like Heidi especially like we worked we were trying to do a remix of like my Gimme More remix and we ran into some issues because of like getting it approved to like put out because it's obviously a remix of like Gimme More so um by Britney Spears so that it was like ran into a few issues on like the like business side of everything with that but she has been so so supportive and so sweet and I remember when I met her for the first time she was just so nice and 
um it's just really cool i feel like her album superficial honestly inspired me a lot really inspired like the bleach blonde kind of like y2k paparazzi celebrity aesthetic that i had when i first started too so for her to be so cool to me and to be so kind has been like incredible she's honestly like the nicest person ever i think maybe we'll see a slater appearance on the hills new beginnings <laughs> oh, i would love that that'd be insane <laughs> Yes, uh, that is the other quarantine song I made where um, Mika Jasper sent me the beat and it, wa it wasn't so like Western leaning at first. I remember it was just that guitar riff, but something about the guitar riff was so like country to me. And I had just gotten ghosted by this like guy during quarantine. And um, I'm not one to really like let things super get to me, like if it hasn't been going on for a while. So I was like, I'm going to make this funny ass like cowboys, like Wild West movie type of song about getting ghosted in a way and like how this person is like dating someone else and still trying to hit me up and like all this stuff. So I feel like that came about during like a bitter like quarantine moment. But as soon as like I came up with like the cowboys concept and wrote it all down, I think uh, Mika, the producer, just absolutely went in with adding all these like really clever like sound effects with like gunshots and he kind of amped up the drums to be like super cool. And I feel like the, the whole vibe of the song is just like this really cool, like country rock pop, like symphony. And um, yeah, it's like a very cinematic experience, I think. <laughs> it's funny you say that. Cause I think it leans quite well into serial killer. They both have yeah. like those pop punky elements, but then serial killer to be super reminiscent reminiscent of Evanescence oh yeah I actually haven't heard a lot of people say that one is like gives like a no doubt kind of flavor but I could I could see that too mm. um yeah Serial Killer I wrote that when I was like 19 that beat is like probably from like 2010 which is funny that something that old is like on a 2021 album but this like horror movie director, his name's Anthony Scott Burns. He like also produces on the side under this name, Pilot Priest. And when I used to dig on Bandcamp for like beats to write over just for practice, I came over his stuff and that song was so cool to me. And I wrote over it and I was like such a nobody that I was like, ah, uh, like maybe I'll put it out on SoundCloud, but like, I'll never put this out. Like it'll never come out. And then fast forward, like I kind of had found the success in music and I asked him, I was like, hey, can I put this song on my album? Like, I really love it. I love the lyrics, like here it is. 
and he was down and it was it was so cool I think the fact that it's such a like horror movie type of song and it was produced by someone who scores horror movies is like a very cool thing and um yeah probably one of the oldest one of the oldest songs that I have ever written in my life like yeah because I'm 24 now and the album just came out when I'm 24 so that's like a pretty old a pretty long journey for one song but it made it That one I made with Chris Griotti, Zach Servini, and this writer Madge. And uh, we that was like kind of the second session we had together. The first session we all did, we made the song Villain. And then, then Over This was the second one. And I I just thought the song was so cool. I felt like it, it, I remember that day we were referencing like Freaky Friday soundtrack songs and talking about Michelle Branch and Avril Lavigne. And I feel like it came together so nicely and kind of adds like after all the like songs like Cowboys and uh, Serial Killer that kind of start playing with the like live, like, you know, electric guitar and things like that. I feel like over this really kind of like dives right into the sky with going in that direction. So um, I feel like it is like in a nice place in the track list for sure. Mm, very, um, what's the, the song they play at the end of the wedding? Um... Ultimate. ultimate yeah for sure uh i used to listen to that over and over again <laughs> maybe one time another you know yeah. my creative opinion <laughs> remake one of the music videos as freaky friday oh my god i would love that that movie is so good true jimmy lee curtis icon yes yes i've been like the in and out t-shirt oh oh yeah i love it, it. 
song i feel like i feel that was the one of that was from the first session i did with like chris Priotti and zach servini and madge and that one kind of came about i i was i feel like the song is like could be taken in a way that's like it could be about really anything but i felt like a lot of people were kind of like a lot of people that like hate me or whatever or think I'm like this like horrible like villain like I kind of was just writing to that being like I'm not a villain but you want me to be one but I'm not one and kind of like I don't even know like a song about about even like confronting like maybe an ex or who's like like saying that you're like crazy or talking about like love that has like been ruined I feel like it can kind of just like transcend to be like about a lot of different things but I feel, feel like it really it was very therapeutic to write in a way just where I feel like it kind of holds like this like pow like redeeming power for someone to kind of like take control over their own like life and their own story and um I feel like a lot of the songs kind of fall into like villain or hero categories where sometimes I am kind of playing the villain on this album and I'm being bitchy and evil and being like these bitches want beef and like all this stuff and then there's other moments where I feel like I'm kind of like the protagonist in the story and um, yeah, so I felt like it was, it was kind of like a nice, like second to last, like final statement of the album of like letting people know, like, or like kind of like being like the hero rather than the villain, even though the song's called villain. <laughs> <laughs> and then the final track, Letters. That is also another song. That was one of the last ones. I think like during the pandemic, there was like a moment where cases started going down and I was able to do sessions in person for like a little bit. And I went into the studio with Nate Campany and Kyle Shearer. And um, I remember we were kind of talking about doing a ballad and they're like, you know, you've never done a ballad before. You should do something that's like sad and like more stripped down. And I, I was like, had a lot of songs that I was listening to at the moment that were very like lovey-dovey and very ballad-esque. And Nate just started playing some chords on guitar and I just came up with this like little melody with him that was kind of like this like waterfall of like, hey, when you're sad, like this very like soft and sweet song. And um, yeah, I was single at the time when I wrote that, but I feel like I almost spoke after all of that like relationship turmoil that I had gone through that I made this album about, I was like single and independent. And I kind of like wrote this song as like a love song to no one in particular. And then it kind of manifested like a happy, healthy relationship into my life, which was nice. But I feel like it was just, it's the perfect closer track. I feel like it's something no one has heard me do before. And um, yeah, definitely 
just my kind of like beautiful love song moment. I feel like I had never done a ballad and that this album definitely could have used one. So a nice send off into the next era too. This is kind of like where my music, I feel like will head in the future. Call me again, talk to me softly. wanted people listening to Troubled Paradise take away one thing, what would it be? Um, I feel like mainly I would hope that they can relate to maybe the more emotional songs and maybe kind of just take away that like the future of music and the future of pop, like it doesn't have to be so cohesive and everything's the same and like you can have songs about depression you can have a song about sucking dick on the same project and I hope people would just kind of see me as an artist as being like super versatile and I feel like I've proved a lot of different like talents that I have with this project and I put so much work into this and making every different kind of like area of it as shiny and as amazing as possible so I hope people would just kind of listen through the whole thing and get that I'm like a more well-rounded artist than I think I've been given credit for. And maybe maybe just that they, yeah, I don't know, would feel a little less like alone too with like some of the, some of the feelings that I've expressed on this project too. Catherine, thank you so, so much for taking the time to share the inner workings of Troubled Paradise with me. <laughs> thank you, of course. I hope I didn't like over explain things. Like no, no, I'm no. a chatty cat. I'm for sure a chatty Kathy, like I live up to the name, but <laughs> thank you, yeah. Oh,